so one of the big questions that I hear asked uh, right now is, what have you learned in and through this time? <laughs> what have you learned through COVID? Um, and I love it how what the internet does with questions like that and the observations that are being made about COVID, about the last year and a half or so. So I just wanted to show some of my favorites <laughs> that I've seen, some memes <laughs> that I'd like to share. So here's the first one. You know, one thing we've learned is this has been a good time for our pets, maybe a lot more so than for us, because a lot of us are home with our pets a lot more. I know I can say that's true for our dog. Second, we've learned about the importance of good posture. You can see here we've learned the link between back pain and bad posture as we're online in front of a computer so much more. We've also learned how we kind of need to brush up maybe on our social skills, how being in quarantine away from people has left some of us not knowing how to carry on, <laughs> how to start conversations. We've also learned how maybe it's easy to lose our sense of passion <laughs> in this time. So here's someone coping with that. We've gotten so used to the COVID wardrobe, so to speak, <laughs> that re-entering is a bit of a challenge. And last, this one's for my wife, Randy. We've learned that we often, many of us turn to certain things for comfort <laughs> in this time. Some turn to plants <laughs> for comfort. But on a more serious note, there is a good question there. What have you learned? What, what kind of wisdom have you gleaned through this time? And I thought that's a good question to carry us through the summer. We've, all of us, I'm sure, have learned some really important lessons. So I thought through the summer, this is a good time to, to do just that, to share words of wisdom with each other. And that's the theme as we go through. So we're going to be looking at the Bible. We're going to be looking at the wisdom books in Scripture. So Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Job, we're going to be exploring those for wisdom. And also, I'm looking forward to hearing from each other, what we have each of us learned, words of wisdom from each other. So on that note, by the way, if you'd like to share something that you've learned, I would love for you to write me. Write me at jason at thepeer.church, and you can write to just kind of describe maybe a lesson that you've learned or some words of wisdom that you've gleaned in this time. I'd love to hear from you. That way we can start to kind of bring that together and share. I can share that with each other. And maybe there'll be a chance um, when we're in person to hear from each other as well. Now, today, by way of introduction... I wanted to talk about wisdom. I wanted to talk about, okay, just what is wisdom? How can we understand it? And also just scratch the surface a little bit on how we can grow in wisdom, how we can acquire wisdom. So that's what we're doing today. I'm really, I love this topic. I'm really excited to start into this. Now, wisdom, it's actually meant to be um, not mysterious at all. Sometimes when we think about it, it seems like lofty and mysterious, but no, actually, Wisdom is a pretty simple concept, so I want to start and build up from there. Um, in its most basic sense, wisdom is skill. Wisdom is, having wisdom is being skilled at something, and that can be in all parts of life. So actually, in the Bible, one of the first places that the word for wisdom appears is in Exodus, and it's, it's around the time when the tabernacle is being built. And it talks about how God will bring together people with wisdom, with skill, to help build the tabernacle. So, for instance, 
Um, we read in Exodus 31, verses 3 to 5, that God brought together men who were wise, who were skilled in all kinds of craftsmanship to make artistic designs for work with gold, with silver, with bronze, and with cutting and setting stone, and with cutting wood, to work in all kinds of craftsmanship. So there you see, it's not mysterious wisdom, it's just being skilled at something. And, and we could take it a little bit further and say that it's being skilled at achieving the goals that you've set out to achieve. You know what the goals should be, and you can achieve them in whatever area, whether it's in construction, whether it's in working with gold, with silver. We saw a lot of examples there. Now, okay, let's take that a step further now, because in the, the writings like Proverbs and that, it's talking then more about uh, a skill, uh, wisdom being a skill at life. Wisdom being um, that one is skilled at achieving goals that would be good for any and all human beings. Having an understanding in that sense and, and knowing how to yeah, achieve what is good for yourself. Um, so Ronald Clemens um, one commentator says that wisdom is the art of living. It's skill at living well and achieving the goals that are good for human beings. So that's why in Proverbs 1, when it's talking about what wisdom is, in verse 3 it says, wisdom is to receive moral instruction in skillful living with righteousness, justice, and equity. So by the way, that's why wisdom is different from knowledge. You've probably heard that before, that there's a difference there. And you've probably also heard, I mean, that we're right now in a time when we have knowledge aplenty. We have more knowledge than we know what to do with. In other words, we have access to all the data that we could ever need at the press of a button. But wisdom is in short supply. <laughs> and that's because they're different things. They're related, but they're different. You see, the difference is, one can have a lot of data but not know what to do with it. And wisdom is knowing what to do with it. <laughs> wisdom is knowing how to take knowledge and apply it so that you can achieve your goals. So you know me, I'm a musician, so I think of music when I hear that. And so an example would be someone who's studied music. You know the theory, you know how, what chords are all about, melody, rhythm, and all that stuff, okay? That's knowledge. But skill or wisdom in music would be knowing how to take that and write a beautiful song or to take that and play an instrument to make beautiful music. That's wisdom. It's knowing how to apply knowledge to achieve what you have set out to achieve. And that's why, and I love this, that's why experience and actually critical thinking are such key aspects of gaining wisdom and of, of, um, of wisdom itself. Because you're drawing from your mistakes, your successes, you're, you're drawing from trial and error. <laughs> and you're, you're really learning from those and the lessons of those who have come before, the, the wise people who, who have been there, done that, and can teach, and we can learn from them as well. So it draws from all that, and, and the wise person brings all of these things together to do, as James Crenshaw says, the appropriate deed for the moment. Because isn't that what it's all about? In order to kind of achieve something good, it's about knowing what to do moment by moment, knowing what each situation calls for. That's the essence of wisdom. But wisdom also has 
very much a philosophical side in the Bible, too. So you can see why I gravitate toward it. Because wisdom also asks questions about human suffering in, in light of God's existence. It, it asks questions about the, you know, the shortness of human life and, and what life is all about in the reality of death. So in Job, for instance, we read wisdom asking a question like this. Why does God give light to one who is in misery and life to those whose soul is bitter? That's in Job 3.20. Or Ecclesiastes 1.3-4. What benefit do people get from all the effort which they expend on earth? A generation comes and a generation goes, but the earth remains the same through the ages. So that's an important part of wisdom as well, asking these big questions in life, trying to seek insight and understanding. Now also there's something that I want to mention too that's really important to this because wisdom really operates within an important worldview, um, an important way of, of viewing the world. The foundation of it is that God created the universe and, and God created it in such a way that there's order, that there's harmony underlying it all. And so wisdom is all about understanding that harmony, that order, and, and our place within it all. And, and learning how to contribute to the order and harmony rather than contributing to chaos or disorder. Wisdom believes that the universe isn't at random. And, and in fact, actually, that everything comes together in like an intricate dance that, that makes even life possible. And that all makes growing in wisdom possible. <laughs> we can grow in wisdom because of that order, because we can trust that, or that there's like a law-likeness to nature, the laws of nature and that sort of thing. We can trust that there's cause and effect. We can trust that there's predictable consequences from our actions. Trusting that there is good that we can attain, good for humanity, good for creation, and all of that. And like I said, wisdom seeks to understand that and how we can contribute to it. And that's at the level of human society in our relationships. So that's why justice is so important within wisdom. And it's also at the level of our physical environment with our animal neighbors and with the whole world and even the universe. Uh, so that's why... Ellen Davis, in her article, Surprised by Wisdom, she says this, Wisdom denotes a way of thinking and equally of living that brings us into enduring harmony with family, with neighbors, near and far, with our physical environment, and ultimately with the whole created order. That's pretty profound. That's powerful. And when I think about that aspect, of learning how we have an impact on God's creation, and how we can be a force for order or in harmony versus chaos. And I think about the impact that humanity has had, that we're seeing now, that impact we've had on the animal kingdom, the extinctions we've caused, like the impact that we have on the environment, on our climate. You realize just how insightful this is, that we're meant to be part of this harmony. Now, okay, but for that to happen, there's something really crucial that we have to understand about wisdom that the Bible clearly teaches. We see that again and again, in Proverbs especially, 
Wisdom is linked to something called fear of the Lord. So we read more than once that fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So let me explain that this way. Remember how I said that the basic sense of wisdom is skill. It's skill at achieving what, you're, what you've set out to achieve. So if you think of it that way, that means that wisdom at first in that basic sense is neutral. You could use it for no, neutral in the sense of like neither good nor bad. It's amoral. So you could use it for good things, to help people, to benefit people, and you could use it for bad things, to hurt people. Um, one of my favorite movies, Ocean's Eleven, that's, those are skillful robbers <laughs> in that movie. They're wise robbers, so to speak. So that's why Scripture again and again emphasizes fear of the Lord as being a necessary, just a needed link to wisdom. Um, and it describes it as the, the, the beginning. So it's the foundation of wisdom and the way that we can grow in wisdom. Now, just a little bit on that, because that in itself, fear of the Lord, that can be confusing. And we, that's, that's the trouble sometimes when it comes to our English language <laughs> and certain words. Um, it's hard to describe what's going on um, in Scripture in these more ancient languages. Because um, that word fear there, we automatically think like terror and, that, and dread and, and that sort of thing. Because that's like our specific understanding of fear. But the Hebrew word that's used there has a much broader range of meaning. It can mean that. It can mean dread and terror. But it can also mean awe, like a feeling of awe or being awestruck. And it can, even further, it can mean to respect or revere. So there, I hope you can see how that's starting to get more into what's meant by fear of the Lord. I mean, there's a sense in which all of them are there, but it's much more so about the second and third senses. Let me give you an example. Um, I love C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia, and I think it's so well chosen that he has Aslan as a, so the king of Narnia is a lion. And you probably know this, that the Chronicles of Narnia, it's an allegory, and Aslan is um, the Christ figure in that allegory. And that's really apt to think of Christ, to think of God, and in that kind of a way, like a lion. Because then you can think about that. And if you were to stumble upon Aslan not knowing who it was, your first reaction would be dread. It would be terror. It would be fear of Aslan in that way. But the more you get to know him, the more it becomes, and the more you see him in action, the more it becomes this sense of awe, of being awestruck. And move a bit longer, getting to know Aslan more, and it moves to respect and even reverence, even moving toward like an adoration and, and worship. And then I love, too, how you see the interaction between Aslan and the main characters, especially Lucy. This fearful lion, Lucy feels comfortable to come right close to and even hug and embrace as she realizes that Aslan's character is one of compassion and mercy and kindness. So that's what the Bible means by fear of the Lord. It's, it's in those senses. It acknowledges God's power, and it goes further and acknowledges the, the 
kind of his being worthy of awe and of reverence. And so fear of the Lord means that one is like that one worships God, recognizing that God deserves that reverence. And it translates to a desire to walk in the way of the Lord, to, to obey the Lord. And also, one more thing with that, it's all about humility here as well. And if you remember way back to one of my first messages here, I talked about humility. And, and there we talked about how that's a, humility is a, a sober understanding of yourself, a realistic understanding of yourself, especially in relation to God. And that's a lot of what fear of the Lord is too. There's a really good Bible project video on, on the, the three um, wisdom books. You can check it out at the Bible Project. It's, it's really good, highly recommended. And they talk about the fear of the Lord, and they nail this part. They say that fear of the Lord is a healthy sense of reverence and awe and about my place in the universe. So again, there's that understanding of how you know, I fit and being humbled by that. It's also a moral mindset that I'm not on my own. And so I didn't create myself, so I don't get to decide for myself what's right and wrong. And third, that means I need to humble myself before God to embrace God's understanding and teaching on what's good and what's bad, on what's right and what's wrong. And uh, so I love how Ellen Davis puts it, that fear of the Lord then is a sane recognition of our proper human limits. So it's kind of boiling down to humility, as I said. And this is all why you can see why Fear of the Lord is that foundation for wisdom. It's, it's all setting you up on the path to be able to gain wisdom. And it really sustains the growth in wisdom because all along you're seeking from God to learn and you're humble, seeking your place in, in creation, understanding how we fit into this beautiful dance that God has created and how we can contribute to that. Okay, so that's an overview a nice little overview on what wisdom is, especially from the biblical perspective and, and how we read about it in Proverbs and Job and Ecclesiastes. Before we finish, I want to touch a little bit on how we can come to gain wisdom, how wisdom is acquired. And here we get a clue of kind of the, what this is all about. Let me put it this way. To start answering this question, we need to know a little bit about the context of these books, uh, especially of the book of Proverbs. This is going to be a big clue for us into how we ourselves can come to acquire wisdom and just helping us appreciate what's going on here. And we, we see the big clue to this in Proverbs 1. It starts out and says right off the bat, these are the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. And you've probably heard this before. Solomon is very much associated with these, these books, with the wisdom literature. Now, Solomon, you've probably heard of him before, the son of King David, one of the great kings of Israel, one of the ones who ushered in the golden age of Israel. Solomon was responsible for building the temple, known as a very wise man. And so this association of him with the book of Proverbs, it doesn't mean that he wrote the whole thing. He definitely contributed to a good portion of it. But when you go through, you realize there's other authors involved as well. 
No, actually more. It's making a really important link between the Proverbs and King Solomon. It's, it's telling us that when we're reading the wisdom literature, we need to be thinking of kind of the, the history of Solomon and, and what was started there. It's kind of like when we're reading the Psalms, we're thinking of especially the history of King David and all of that. So that, and that context is going to provide us really important understanding of the nature of the Proverbs, what's going on there. So just briefly today, you can, I mean, you can read about this, the more, the bigger version of, of Solomon's history in 1 Kings 2 to 10. But I just want to draw our attention to chapter 3. Because there we see kind of what started all of this. So Solomon here has just started his reign. He's just become king. He's a young man, just become king. And God appears to him. And God asks him basically like, I'll give you anything you want. What will you ask of me? And here's what Solomon says. O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father. And as for me... I am but a little boy in wisdom and experience. I'm reading from the Amplified Translation. I do not know how to go out or come in, that is, how to conduct business as a king. Your servant is among your people whom you have chosen, a great people who are too many to be numbered or counted. So give your servant an understanding mind and a hearing heart with which to judge your people so that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge and rule this great people of yours? So Solomon is asked here, what do you want? And Solomon recognizes he needs wisdom. If he's going to do a good job here, he needs the kind of wisdom that we've been talking about. The kind of wisdom that it, where he develops a skill in understanding what's good for his people and how to achieve that. And he knows that he needs that from God. <coughs> Excuse me. And so Solomon asks God for that. And God, true to his word, comes through and gives him just that. Because we read later in chapter 4, starting at verse 29. Now God gave Solomon exceptional wisdom and very great discernment and breadth of mind, like the sand of the seashore. Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the sons of the east in all the wisdom of Egypt. His fame was known in all the surrounding nations. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. He spoke of trees, from the cedar which is in Lebanon, to the hyssop vine that grows on the wall. He spoke also of animals, of birds, of creeping things, and fish. People came from all the peoples or the nations to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. So we see that God gave Solomon wisdom, and wisdom of an exceptional nature. We read that he was wiser than all the kings around him, all the wise men from Egypt and beyond. He was the wisest in the land, uh, as it says. And we see here, too, like this wisdom was, was broad. It was wide-reaching. It wasn't even just about the people, but again, it had that broader sense, understanding nature, understanding animals, that, that sense of like, you know, digging into creation and understanding our place within creation. So he's a bit of a scientist as well. And that's why when we see this, 
the Bible project describes it well. They, it says that he, Solomon is the father of Israel's wisdom tradition. It all started here. Because of this encounter, because God gave Solomon this great gift, that was the beginning of kind of the, the wisdom school in Israel that gave birth to these books that we now have, to, to the Proverbs, to, to Job, to Ecclesiastes, and all of, all of the wisdom literature. That's where it all started. So that really tells us some very important things about how we can acquire wisdom. So where am I going with this? That was a long introduction to get back to that question. Um, but we see here that first off, we need to recognize that wisdom is possible very much because of God's grace. Very much so, wisdom is a gift from God. We have it because of the grace of God. And God's grace has made it possible for us to have these books, these special books that we read because of this story, they stand as a special part of the Old Testament canon. They stand as a special part of that, the great revelation from God um, that includes other types of Old Testament literature like the prophets or like the law. And uh, so we need to see these books in that light as well, that they are a gift to all of us from God. And it's through these books then that we too can come to develop, to gain wisdom. Because we have these as our own school, so to speak. The school, starting with Solomon, produced these so that all of us would have a curriculum in wisdom. So that all of us would have a school of wisdom to turn to. And I actually learned this from one of my, um, my courses in seminary. Um, and I was digging back into some of my old lectures. And uh, here's what my professor from my, one of my Old Testament courses said. His name's Gordon Obst. I want to give credit where credit's due. Um, he said, the book of Proverbs, then, is not simply a collection of accurate statements about the workings of the world, but are a curriculum designed to teach someone how to have a heart of hearing, how to have that wisdom that Solomon was given. So we can kind of look at then, these are a gift to us to help us on the journey of wisdom, but also they're kind of a journey in and of themselves. We're going to explore what that means in the weeks to come. But as we return to the Proverbs, to Ecclesiastes, to Job, again and again and again through life, they take us on this journey of wisdom. And then as we take that and we apply it in our lives and see how it works, see what happens, um, we grow in wisdom. And all of this is a great gift from God. So that's just a little bit on how we might come to acquire wisdom. But we're going to dig into that question a lot more as we go on this summer. So I'm going to leave off there then. We've talked about what wisdom is, a little bit about how to acquire it. And to conclude, I want to end off just on that thought of wisdom being called a heart of hearing. I love it how that's how Solomon describes it when he's asking God for wisdom. He prays for a heart of hearing. And that, to me, gets right down to what wisdom really is. It's about having an open heart to God, open heart to learning, to being teachable. And it's all about hearing 
about being able to listen, being able to observe and discern and all of that. So wisdom is very much about um, listening and hearing from God, that fear of the Lord aspect where it all starts. Wisdom is about listening to nature, about observing nature, seeing the order that's there, the wisdom that's there right in the fabric of, of nature and learning our place in it, our place to contribute to the harmony in nature. And we gain wisdom by listening to the wisdom of those who have come before us, by listening to each other. So community is very much a part of wisdom as well. We, we gain wisdom by, through Scripture, through these gifts um, that a community has given us. We learn um, wisdom from our parents, from our elders, from our grandparents, those who have learned less, life's lessons before us. It's all about having this heart of hearing. And it's my prayer, it's our prayer, that as we go into this new series, into the summer, and we're sharing wisdom with each other, that we might, each of us, go deeper on, the, on a journey together, going deeper into God's wisdom, having this heart of hearing and developing this heart of hearing that we read about. All right, so let's pray before we sing one more song together. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for today. Thank you so much for this time together. And uh, I thank you just for the gift of Scripture that we can come back to again and again and just take so much from it. And I thank you for the gift of wisdom. We've read about how wisdom is, is just this amazing gift that, that helps us to, to live well and uh, to, to kind of find out what life's all about and, and to be able to um, in, investigate the big questions, but especially to just contribute to, to goodness in creation, to, to contribute to harmony, to contribute to justice, and these important things that are so near and dear to your heart and that are just really good for us. So help us, Lord, now as we embark on this journey, help us to be open to what you want to teach us, to open to what Scripture is going to teach us, the words of wisdom that we'll gain, to be open to what we can hear from each other as we share our lessons, as we share wisdom with each other. Help us to develop this heart of hearing that we read about in, that Solomon was given. Um, and so thank you so much for this. We pray for safety for each of us. You know the, the situations in our our congregation right now, Lord. I just want to take a moment to pray for everyone in our congregation as well. Um, for those who are going through tough times right now, you know what they are, Lord God. We want to pray for each person that's right now in a struggle, in a hard time right now. I pray, Lord God, for your presence to comfort them in this time, knowing that you are with them. And we celebrate with those who are celebrating right now. I think of the, the grads, all the, the grads from, from my son who just graduated kindergarten to those who graduating from, from grade six, those who are graduating from high school, from um, all those areas. We celebrate with these amazing things that are happening in our community, in our town. And we celebrate with them, with the grads. And thank you for what you're doing in their lives. And, Thank you for the summer. 
thank you that for the warm weather that we're moving into this summer season. And we pray for all those going on holidays and that, that for safety and just uh, a lot of refreshment in this time. Um, so, Lord Jesus, it's in your precious name that we pray these things. Amen.